Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Beton and Noam Weisman for the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked Wandering Jews as they tackle topics and uncomfortable questions about Israel, Judaism, and Zionism that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. Listen to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. The Zoom lady has commanded us, and we are back. This is Behind the Bastards, the podcast that exists entirely to glorify, elevate, and worship the Zoom lady, our only god and master. And in fact, the only thing sacred in our entire cosmology of universal ethics. My guest today, Archbishop (laughs) of the Zoom lady, Miles Gray. Miles, praise her. Oh, praise be to the ZL, the Zoom lady that mm-hmm. is, for without her contributions to our mortal galaxy, we would have nothing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on, Miles. And thank you for creating the first religious schism in our new cult that will eventually turn into a war that kills billions, which is, of course, whether or not we can abbreviate the Zoom lady's name to ZL. To the ZL. Yeah. yeah, I know. And we've talked about this off mic. Mm-hmm. And like I said... You come with your people, I'll come with mine, and well, I guess we'll see who's alive in the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I am excited for when we both gain access to nuclear silos and can really, really take this 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 disagreement over theology to an apocalyptic level. Oh, but, I mean, I think that's the one thing we both agree on, and we're excited mm-hmm. for. Secretly, it's we are. Like, we we are. don't care who wins. We don't care who wins, <laughs> it's, really. it's just about the joy of starting a nuclear war, Miles. It's just uh, about doing that thing we saw during a mushroom trip where we're like, mm-hmm. dude, what if you you saw a mushroom cloud right in front of you though wouldn't that wouldn't be, that be rad oh. look at us our zoom lady cult now mm-hmm. praise be praise <laughs> be so miles when we were talking last time if you remember oh, I don't know, you might have right. forgotten uh that's right <laughs> some kids spanked a girl so badly she uh lost control of her bowels and had to be hospitalized uh, yes um, because everything in Elan was done communally including physical punishments which we're going to talk about a lot more today. There's a lot. Oh, it gets so much worse, Miles. So much worse. So 
By the mid-70s, Alon had moved to the facility it would occupy for the majority of its existence in Poland Springs. Most of its residents lived on the five-acre facility, which included Alon 1, an administrative trailer, and six other numbered buildings that acted as dormitories, classroom space, etc. There were two other Alon facilities, including one in Parsonfield, Maine, that had once been a TB sanitarium. The space for all these facilities was necessary, uh, or all of this space was necessary, because in the early 70s, Alon got a bunch of positive press reports Reports, which brought hundreds of new residents to the program. So, again, Wait, yeah. What, what are positive press resorts? What, like, well, what, what's a positive press resort for this guy? Th- that this is saving kids who whose lives are completely out of control. That this will give you back right. your kid. This will get them off of drugs. You know, nothing is worse than having a kid who's a drug addict. So, anything Alon does is just... And the idea that this is... This is like the best kind of treatment for them. Like this specific program is uh, Joe Ritchie built it as the Rolls Royce of teen treatment programs. Right. I rem- okay. Yeah. And I remember even like because this is even like with Kellogg, right? Like all the just wacky mm-hmm. remedies that were, you know, just essentially ways to fuck people up. Mm-hmm. Were there at least uh, success stories that they would be like, oh, and then check out this kid who you I mean, know, stopped neighing like a horse yes throughout the the throughout the existence of the program there are kids who will claim it'll save their life there's even some kids who hated it but also will say like it saved my life because i was like really into heroin and i probably would have od'd without it it also has permanently damaged my brain like (laughs) like that like the the positive stories tend to be like i would have died without it also i am forever like changed because of this program in ways that are profoundly like negative and complex. And right. Like, I feel deeply yeah. disconnected to yeah. from who I used to be. This is not to say there are some positive stories and we can speculate on some of those people. Um, sure. Sure. But uh, when you go through reports of people who were there, the overwhelming mm-hmm. reports are not positive. Now that said, this is the early seventies. Nobody's talking about this place online. You don't have a lot of former kids coming out. And a lot of these kids, it's a mix of rich kids who go there. And um, and generally, if you're rich, you do get some kind of special treatment, right? And wards of the state. And so nobody cares what the wards of the state mm, say. Right. Um, and nobody's really able to check up on them to tell whether or not they actually have a high success rate, um, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So it was certainly the popular perception that the Alon school was like, again, the Rolls Royce, like this is the nicest place you can send a kid for this kind of intense rehab facility. It's at this, this beautiful compound in the woods in Maine. Like it's like a summer camp, you know, that was kind Mm -hmm. of the way this was marketed. Um, Now, 1975 was a key year in the evolution of the Elan School. It's the year where a number of the most questionable aspects of early Elan procedures started to turn toxic. And one possible catalyst for, the growing toxicity of the Elan school um, may be the fact that Joe Ritchie had an increasingly severe drug addiction of his own. So Mm. Joe's friends seem to be pretty consistent that he was not a heroin addict as a kid, but whatever the truth was, his old injuries from his car accident started bothering him while he worked uh, prior to opening the Elan school. Um, And a number of his colleagues there mentioned to his wife that they were worried about how many pills he was taking. Sherry confronted him and he told her that he needed the pills because his pain was unbearable. Now, once the Elan school started, Joe kept using. Sherry eventually realized that Dr. Davidson, their business partner, was prescribing her husband opiates, which is, again, very ethical doctor here. She went to the doctor saying, hey, 
Joe is an addict and you should probably not give him a blank check for drugs. And he told her, hey, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me how to do my job. I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist. Back off, lady. I'm running the Rolls mm-hmm. Royce of abuse Thunderdomes. And one of the things that's interesting the, oh. about this is that um, later on in like the late 90s, when Joe Ritchie stops being on working there most of the time, like he, he mm-hmm. eventually like the school is still running, but he's not really there most of the time, not involved in the day to day. The guy who replaces him running the program is also a heroin addict um, and is using actively while he's running the school. Um, wow. It's interesting. So Joe had a problem. Uh, Dr. Davidson did not know what he was doing. Um, And although Joe didn't really drink much, his pill usage caused wild mood swings, irritable and abusive behavior. When he would have a mood swing, the easiest people for him to take it out on were the patients at his school. So by 1975, this was becoming a serious problem. And that same year, his 54-year-old father, Bamboo, shot one of his friends during a bar fight when his friend tried to de-escalate things after he called another patron the N-word. So... Joe's dad goes to prison for shooting a dude. Um, and yeah, this is a, so this is a bad year. 75 is a bad year for Joe Ritchie is the point I'm building towards. And on July 22nd, it got even worse. The state of Illinois sent a team of five investigators, a psychiatrist and four social workers to Elon for a surprise evaluation. This was standard procedure when more than 10 wards of the state had been placed in a facility. So more than 10 kids from Illinois get sent to the Elon school and they say like, oh, we have to send a team up there to make sure that it's like a good school, you know, very reasonable idea, right? Yeah. Um, The team, yeah, the team stayed for two days. They talked with staff and residents and they observed daily activities. Now this was the first inspection Alon school had. Um, And so it came as a surprise. And as a result, they hadn't prepared ahead of time. Oh my Um, God. They hadn't cleaned anything up. Take the signs down. Take the signs down. (laughs) Oh, we got to stop hitting the kids till they shit themselves. What the fuck? (laughs) Turns out psychiatrists don't usually like that <laughs> oh guys we've been doing this all wrong <laughs> according to them so we gotta just pretend we don't do all this fucked up stuff so the team found a number of horrifying things one staff member in charge of a house where seven illinois residents lived admitted he had a criminal history of assaulting women his third such assault had seriously injured his victim which is why he'd been sent to a lawn before graduating and being hired as staff there he admitted to investigators that he had difficulty relating to women and was monitored by other staff to make sure that he he didn't assault any female residents. Um, oh my God. Now that might be a mark against you, you know? <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be in charge of a house full of teenagers, including teenage girls, if you have a history of repeatedly criminally assaulting women. Perhaps not, right? Maybe. Yeah, yes. I don't, you're not, I don't think you, that's a part of the evaluation uh, that most people realize, just yeah. in general, that uh, you, you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. S- well, I guess I don't know whose fault that is. I mean, honestly, like they hired him. So they it's did hire fault. him. Like, and um, here's my truth. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I love criminally assaulting women. Well, good news about yeah. this job. Oh, so well, do we. Okay. Yeah. You know what? And th- and that's their fault for hiring you. Honestly, yeah. it was. Uh, Now, the investigators were also horrified by general meetings, the constant pattern of verbal abuse in Elan, and the frequency of spankings. They eventually found out that the resident director with a history of assaulting women had spanked numerous residents. So the staff had claimed, like, well, we make sure he doesn't assault women, even though he has a history of it. And then they were like, well, but yeah, but he gets to spank them. (laughs) He's using a paddle, okay? It's professional. What the fuck are they thinking? Uh, 
team members of this Illinois monitoring team overheard constant verbal assaults from staffers to residents, including lines like, you motherfucking whore, you cocksucking, titty-sucking, motherfucking asshole, and other things that did not seem like therapeutic criticism. (laughs) Oh my... How this is so wild to me, though, that like, you know how bad this is where outside observers come in and it's become so normal that they're like, yeah, okay, back to our regular scheduled programming, which is just tearing people down verbally and like with the worst language. Now, when they interviewed the nurse, she revealed that she had uh, gotten vaginal smears and rectal exams from female residents before they started class, as well as semen samples from male residents. She said this was to test for VD. Semen samples were obtained by giving boys a small cup, directing them to a private room, and ordering them to masturbate. So the team from Illinois was like, this seems... Not like the way you'd test for STDs. And they reached out to several doctors to be like, is it normal to get a cum sample from kids to test for STDs? And, and all like, of the I'm doctors. Sorry, what? Yeah, that's exactly right. All the doctors are like, what in the fuck are you talking about? You don't need Someone semen to test this for this. Out loud? Yeah. <laughs> you uh, need no, to get this person away from children immediately. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I almost fainted. Mm-hmm. I was at a. Oh my God. What? <laughs> it's so fucked up. So, uh, the team from, yeah, the nurse also admitted to handing out controlled substances without prescriptions to kids. Um, in <laughs> for what? For whatever. <laughs> Mainly birth control pills, which were given upon request and without carrying out a physical exam first. Now, uh. none of that's great, but what really freaked the investigators out was learning about the ring. Now, the ring has become one of the most infamous facts about Elan. The ring was a boxing ring where two people would beat each other up with gloves. But it was also a literal ring of people, Miles. The individual being punished would be forced to fight everyone in the ring, sometimes more than 10 people, so that even if they were good at fighting and big, they would eventually be overwhelmed by sheer exhaustion and beaten bloody. In interviews, when this became widely known later, Joe Ritchie claimed that the ring was only given as punishment to both who had used or threatened physical violence against others. His argument was that you had to show these people that there was always someone bigger than them. So that's what Um, Joe claimed. Yeah. Either way. Either way, that's not how you teach children. Yeah. I'm like, okay, just shut up right there, dude. You're still, so you do admit you're making them fight each other in this fucking battle king of the hill format? Yeah, yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on. The point is, no, there's no point. I don't care about your reasoning. These kids doing it, you fuck up. Yeah. I don't care about your reasoning. You're making children fight in a ring. Oh, my God. Here we go. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what do you suggest? So here's the reality the team from Illinois saw. I'm going to quote from Duck in a Raincoat again. Those used to defeat the person being punished were mostly large, well-built boys fighting both male and female residents. Two residents independent. Oh, what? (laughs) You're having issues already, Miles. Yeah. (laughs) They picked the big kids for it. Two residents independently independently talked about a young female being forced into the ring. When she resisted, she was held down while residents attempted to tie boxing gloves on her hands. When that failed, she was sent into the ring bare-fisted and without headgear. Investigators also also cited an incident where a pregnant girl was put in the ring and defeated. Oh Evaluators God. observed oh that... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. 
What the fuck? <gasps> Evaluators observed that residents could be sent into the ring for any infraction, including not sharing in discussion groups. So no, not just bullies. If you don't want to talk in the group about who you have a crush on, you're going to get beaten up by large teenage boys what? in a circle. Because you're not forthcoming with your yeah. pain in yeah. a fucking environment that is only mm-hmm. meant to like exploit it and make you feel worse. And then you have to fucking be beat. Yeah, beating a pregnant this? girl. This is, I mean, what, this is happening. This, this is happening in the '90s, Miles. This evaluation's '75, but the ring goes on for decades. The ring goes. Oh my God! What the fuck? Yeah. Please tell me, like, just this better have a fucking good ending, man. It doesn't. <laughs> Motherfucker. I mean, eh, elements of it are good. So. We'll talk more. What about, show do you think yeah. this is? I don't fucking no. We'll talk I, more about the ring later. Another punishment, the investigator. More? Yeah, Miles. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. We got to talk about the, the kid it killed. Um, oh, but first, we're going to talk about another punishment the investigators discovered, which might actually be worse. Now, this was called electric sauce. You want to know what? What get? Oh. Take a guess as to what electric sauce was, Miles. Dude, no, don't, that's so don't, don't fucked guess. up sounding. Yeah, I know. Don't it's guess. really bad. Quote. Wait. Yeah, Miles? No, I don't even, I, I can't even. Don't do yeah. it. My brain's like short-circuiting even trying to combine It's It's a really bad school. Like, we've covered some bad, like, honestly, elements of this sound not as bad as the German school that raped all those kids. Like, the Waldorf school, right? Uh, no, no, that was or just what the, was the, that was the weird cult school. Um, you did yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna. Here's. A, I mean, we've covered. Some we've covered really, some bad really schools res, between the residential. Definitely schools not Canada, as bad as the, the residential resident- schools. Um, Ireland. But I mean, I, I guess the the residential schools like killed thousands, right? So much worse. There's a there's a it's this is there's an element of this that is more disturbing just because of. In those schools, they're killing kids systematically through neglect and through just a lack of caring about their health. This is mm-hmm. what this is ob- obviously less horrible. It's not an act of genocide. Um, but the level of thought Joe Ritchie put into how to craft this engine of child abuse, there's right. something like uniquely unsettling about it in a way that I, yeah. I, it hasn't been present before in any of these other schools. It's just right, right, right. such an intricately crafted machinery of child abuse. That's what's like so like the fuck about this to me. Yeah. Um not trying to like play like which is worse than the obviously like again the genocide schools are worse but there's something yes. about this that's like primally dis- unsettling like the level of right. thought this man spent decades designing an engine to abuse children. And again like like yeah. so many of these like stories that it's just repeating cycles of abuse cuz like yeah. he went to some fucked up place like who knows then, what the fuck happened to the place yeah. he went. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, are you ready to finally learn about what the electric sauce was, Miles? Oh, God, I had forgotten about the title. Yeah, we still haven't gotten into the electric sauce. Quote, electric sauce was the term used to describe a mixture of garbage, ketchup, mustard, cigarette butts, and other refuse, which was poured over a person's head as a form of punishment. The report indicated that human feces was sometimes included in this sauce. What? 
Yeah, they're they're shitting and coming into buckets and throwing in trash and pouring it on people's heads when they're bad. And again, what, and if you're a, <laughs> this an is therapy, by the way. State, yeah. What is what is Richie saying? Yeah. And I'm sorry. Oh, what Richie, does the electric fucking sauce do? <laughs> Richie denies that this is a part of the school, right? Like this is not mm. the kind of he'll defend like the ring and stuff. And they do stop he'll using the electric the sauce ring. eventually. Yeah. I because there's no defense of the electric, the electric sauce. sauce than I would the ring. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to weigh the two. It's good to know where your line is, Miles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, if I got to own one, I'm like, well, at least no kid's dying from yeah. being in a fist fight ring. Mm-hmm. And it's just straight up. Well, I mean, I don't even actually, know why I'm yes, Miles. act like one's better than the other. Again, yeah. Look at what this show's done to me. I'm going to read you another fun quote about other punishments at the Elon School, Miles. Digging ditches was apparently still another reprimand. A day of digging ditches under surveillance was a common practice. After each ditch was dug, the resident being punished would be required to fill it back up again and repeat the process for the duration of the punishment. The use of handcuffs was also alleged. One resident explained that he had been handcuffed for about five hours for striking someone. Another had been ordered by a staff member to handcuff a girl to a table by placing the cuffs around her ankles. One of the Illinois wards had his shoes taken away. During his six weeks at Elan, he had made repeated requests for shoes, but the requests were denied because he was told that if he had shoes, he might run away. When when this child was brought back to Chicago, he had blood poisoning in one foot. What the fuck? Okay. So, all right. you yep. might expect, Miles, that when a government agency finds all of this shit out and writes a report on it in 1975, the end of the program would come soon after, as would criminal charges for a lot of the people involved, Absolutely. right? This would be a pretty full episode if this ended in 1975, because we've mm-hmm. talked about some bad shit here. Um, but this is the United States of America. I need to remind you of that again, as I did in episode one, Miles. And the Elan School continued to operate for more than 30 years after this point. Um, because again, parents have a sacred right to pay people to torture their children if they think it's a good idea. That's unbelievable. So they, they were just able to skate under that premise. Well, we're going to talk about how they got away with it, but the core of why they got away with it is there is a widespread idea that is particularly normative among conservative Americans that as a parent, you are the ultimate arbiter of what happens to your child and they don't have rights. You have a sacred right to do whatever the fuck you want to that kid is a punishment, right? Um, Of course. It's a popular refrain. I'm the adult and you are the child. children should have equivalent rights to adults, even though we all agree children should not have equivalent responsibilities, maybe shouldn't have access to all of the same things that adults do. For example, I don't think nine-year-olds should be able to buy cars or guns, but perhaps they are entitled to the exact same human rights. come on down to Miles' catalytic converter barn where no matter your age, you're walking out of here juiced up, baby. I think we should be teaching kids because kids can get under the car easily. Their little hands can reach in there. Yes, yes. Oh, we should train. That's, Miles, we could start a teen rehab facility where we get kids (laughs) off of dope by teaching them to steal catalytic converters. Um, no, Sophie, no. you always stomp no. on my dreams to create residential schools for children. What is this one illegal too? Like the other fifteen ideas you said no to, Sophie? Yeah, yeah. She uh, she no. hates it when I talk about crimes. I like being able to pay my rent. Well, mm-hmm. you could pay your rent in catalytic converters. Just drop a bag of them off at the the manager's office, Sophie. There you go. No, You'd be like, hey, here's a bag of cats. That's going to take care of me for the rest of the year, right? 
Wink. Give him a little wink. No. If he's smart, he'll take the deal. Mm. So the good news is that the Illinois investigators did take the kids who were wards of the state uh, away from the Elan school. They issued mm. a damning report that includes these lines. Quote, Elan will argue that the evaluation team has taken occurrences out of context and that contrary to the findings of the evaluation team, the incidents were in the best interests of the child. Regardless of the reasons given by Elan, excusing or justifying the instance, incidents, each and every incident reported is directly contrary to Illinois law and regulations, and under no circumstances can the agency permit any of its wards to reside at an institution where such events occur. These practices violate the child's civil rights and liberties and deprive him of his self-respect and dignity. Under no circumstances can the Department of Education and Family Services permit any child to be subjected to a lawn, which is good. Good on you guys who tried in the fucking state of Illinois. I don't have right. a lot of praise for the state of Illinois, but... They did their best. <laughs> and so at the very least, that meant no more wards of the state would be going to this program. Oh, no. Good God. Least. No, 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 no. It just right. means Illinois won't send kids for a while. Oh, just, oh, just for a well, while. Well, and just that the state won't. Other kids from Illinois keep getting sent there. Yeah, we'll like talk about that in a minute. private citizens can yeah. now endlessly... Yeah indulge in yeah very little actually changes and i'm going to talk we're about to talk about why so there's a lot of blow up out this right this becomes very public the news is like the all the like the the fucking electric sauce and the the beating pits like Mm -hmm. people are not wild about this um but you know what people are wild about miles this the new bottled uh, line of electric sauces from Heinz. Exactly, Heinz electric sauce. Now with eighty percent more feces and cum, squirted on a child's head when they disbehave, misbehave, whatever. Ah, oh, shit. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer. Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if people have learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You think, what's the catch? But there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. 
Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new 3-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/behind. That's mintmobile.com/behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/behind. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. We're back, and we're talking about how the constant exposure to the horrors that this show exposes us to may, may, mm. may, have, may cause me to make some, some off-color comments that I ought not. Um, so we have editors. We have these moments. We have these. I mean, it is like a real problem. We had this with like the the Irish schools episode where I think Sophia and I went a little bit uh, hard on the dark humor because it's so you just get overwhelmed with this. Eventually, there's nothing to do but like oh, laugh about yeah, the electric yeah, yeah. sauce, you know? No, it's um, like you're like uh, you're like a cat, like someone who's been on the seas too long, like looking mm-hmm. sharks in the eye, like at a certain point, yeah. like you're just like, uh, they're kind of, you know, they've seen a lot of. You ever looked looked into an Alan school teacher's eyes? eyes, Dead eyes. Like a doll's doll's eyes. eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sir. Again, I'm just here to take your order. (laughs) Yeah, I do have fun with the Wendy's girl. Um, So, Miles, uh, there's this report comes out, right? Uh, it's, It's bad. Uh, there's a bunch of bad press for the Elan school. And this prompts the governor of Maine to visit the school. Now, obviously they have warning this time and they clean up the school ahead of the governor's, uh, the governor's visit. And he's like, Oh, this seems fine. Um, but once he reads the report from Illinois, he has Maine's department of human services issue a very speedy interim report. And the purpose of this report was to protect the Elan school, which had become a multi-million dollar business and thus protect Maine's economy as well. Right. His concern is this would it'd be bad for Maine's economy of this big business has to leave so since richie had warning before this investigation he tasked his employees with making everything look squeaky clean one teenage staff member later told mara curley quote we lied through our teeth what we couldn't cover up we admitted to as the exception rather than the rule the residents were thrilled when the place was overrun with investigators because they had a real fun time we laid off everybody then but everything the illinois investigators said was true every last word of it Now, the Illinois investigators found a bunch of horrible shit, and they wrote about it very unsparingly, like this is a child abuse factory and should be closed immediately. Um, The main investigators, who again, uh, were sent there specifically to exonerate the Elan school to keep money in the state of Maine, found this, quote, No evidence of unjustifiable denials of civil liberties or of mistreatment, brutality, or anything that could be considered abhorrent to all accepted standards of child care. The residents of Elan interviewed usually expressed newfound feelings of dignity, self-assurance, and mental well-being. They attributed these feelings to the treatment they received at Elan. Responding to the charges of the ring, spankings, and of physical abuse, Maine investigators wrote, One of the cardinal rules of the Elan program is that the use of physical violence by either a staff member or a resident is strictly outlawed. Again, Joe Ritchie had 
had admitted to the, the using the what? ring. Like, it's just nonsense. It's just a, a report full of lies Holy paid shit. for by the government of Maine to keep a business in the state. Because That's in part, so probably because Joe Ritchie's bribing bribing people. He does that a lot. He's very involved in politics in Maine because he's a millionaire after a certain point. Right. Oh my now, God. Since the ring had by this point gone viral as the most terrifying measure in Alon's arsenal, Maine state investigators had to make a declaration on that too. They defended it after writing that violence wasn't used by saying, quote, only acts of repeated physical violence result in a person being placed in the ring where rounds last about one minute and where the participants are evenly matched. Again, all of this is a lie based on hundreds of reports. Like, and now they're acting like, oh, but we've made the, we've made it, it. The regulations are way better yeah. now. We're seeing way we're getting fair ones now. Mm-hmm. We got yeah. kids engaging in fair ones, not yeah. just and again, straight up. Even if this was like a sessions. school where it's like, well, we only have one minute boxing matches for kids. It's like, wait, why do you have children fighting? Well, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, but they're but they're matched based on their weight class. Okay, yeah. I mean, I mean so. again, if you do have a boxing class, that's fine. But boxing is a punishment I would call child abuse. No, um, yeah, absolutely. Also, we should have a conversation about whether kids should be able to box or play things like football that will damage their brains uh, when they're too young to make an informed decision about whether or not they want to damage their brains. But that's a that's right. a subject for a different day. Not that you shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to box or play football, but maybe not as a child. I don't know. So yeah. since the ring had by this point gone viral as the most terrifying measure in Alon's... Oh, right. I already read that. So we'll talk more about the ring later. Uh, what's important for now is that hundreds of former students have come forward representing decades worth of time at a lawn and all claimed that this is bullshit. The report had a bunch of other frustrating nonsense in it, but the gist of it was that Joe Ritchie and his school get a clean bill of not committing crimes against humanity from their host state. They use this to repost back at Illinois, filing a civil complaint and alleging that the evaluation team had defamed Elon and done $6.1 million in actual damages and $4 million in punitive damages. Illinois filed suit in response, suing a district court and charging that Elon employees had abused wards of the state. They requested damages, too. A flurry of lawsuits followed, and in the end, both sides settled without any money going anywhere except into the pockets of lawyers. The state kind of gives up after a point. Because, mm. again, these kids are wards of the state. They don't have anyone behind them. Right. It's not worth it, right? right? Purely just, yeah, statistics. because yeah, our legal system is perfect. Now, earlier I quoted a teenage staff member, one of the people who was technically an inmate but reached a high position within the program. That person's name was Ken Zaretsky. He was part of the architecture of violence at Elan, organizing the ring, verbally abusing and physically abusing other children and making sure it all ran smoothly. Years later, he told Mara Curley, quote, But I was brainwashed. I may have abused someone, but I was a victim too. It can be compared to a mother in the concentration camps pushing the buttons on her children in the ovens. How can you falter for that? Now, this is not a thing that ever happened at concentration camps. They just didn't work that way. That's nonsense. Ken didn't yeah, have an education, like, though. So, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like, what's I'm sorry. What was that? His, bit of his, his broader point there, there actually is. If he'd known anything about the Holocaust, there's a better point you can make, which is that a, a lot of the actual the physical work necessary to make the death camps run was done by Jews who were interned in the camps. Right. right, right. And these were. Jewish inmates who got some kind of privileges, more mainly the privilege was that they didn't get killed as quickly, but they were the ones who were like pushing, shoveling the bodies in, like literally making the gas chambers sure, yeah, work. doing the maintenance. The right. poison was always put in by a doctor, but they were necessary to make it work. And these guys did, obviously, 
even though they're making a concentration camp work, you can't judge them for it. Like he's right about that. When you are yeah, within forced the confines into it, of your yeah. yeah. And when you, and, and that point, I think he's right about if you're a child forced into this and you do horrible things to other kids in order to make your own experience less terrible, because that's what this place is designed to do. You're not really at fault. You know, I think mm-hmm. there's a certain point, especially if you grow up and you come back to as an adult where you become culpable, but like a fucking 16 year old, like agreeing to beat kids up in the ring because like, otherwise you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. Like I can't, yeah. it's not, then you're going to beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Kids, you, you that's have, how it's out of yeah. your own self interest. Yeah. And in the same way, like if you're forced into a death camp and your chance to avoid getting murdered is to help the death camp operate, you're not morally responsible to that. I would argue. Um, sure. but Zaretsky again, received no education. So I don't think he knows much about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. you heard, you heard some interesting things along the way. Sure. Yeah. So Zaretsky provides us with some interesting context for how the whole system functioned outside of the school itself. He was a private referral sent to a lawn by a doctor named Marvin Schwartz. Marvin's nickname was Mr. Adolescent Illinois, which is one of the worst nicknames I've heard about in my life. Uh, he is said to have ah. single handedly built a lawn with his private referrals. Schwartz was a friend and colleague of Dr. Davidson, and he received a kickback for every child he sent to a lawn. We now know that Dr. Zaretsky was only wrong in his statement that Schwartz built Elan single-handedly. Dr. Davidson was also responsible for referrals, and there were a whole network of other psychiatrists like Dr. Schwartz who knew Dr. Davidson. He would basically go to his friends in other states and be like, hey, I got this school. Every time you send a kid to us, I'll kick you a few hundred bucks. Right. You know, that's, it up. It that's how, up. yeah, that's how this place works. Um, and it's just multi-level marketing for, you know, abuse. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's in the same, you know, very similar models. now. Mm-hmm. And one of the most fucked up things about the work of those Illinois investigators is that like, ultimately you could argue it helped the school because it brought them a bunch of press and they were able to defend mm-hmm. themselves. Journalists went to them for the state. They were able to make statements in their defense. And a lot of people decided, oh, sounds like this tough love approach works. Like it's just some weak liberals in the Illinois oh. state don't want it to right. keep going. So they got so they got more. Yeah, they got money. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they got to make statements like this to the press. And this is Dr. Davidson speaking to the Corrections Magazine in 1979 about the Illinois investigation. What happened was we got some conventional middle-aged mental health workers who saw certain things they did not understand. The other thing was that the governor of Illinois at the time was a self-righteous guy. He was trying to make political hay by bringing all the juveniles back to the state. They were, disrupt- they were disrupting things, asking kids, why do you obey? Now, in the same interview, Joe Ritchie was asked about the Illinois team, and he claimed it was a raid from the start. They were very unprofessional. They got drunk at one meal and then came back to Elan to work. I didn't like that. Ritchie would also claim, accurately, that three of the kids removed from Elan by Illinois eventually fled back to the Elan school. He claimed that this was evidence that the program helped those kids. I think it was more evidence that when you abuse someone enough, they can't exist outside of the system of abuse that you built for them, yeah. which is why so Holy many kids shit. went to work there as adults. Um, yeah. Because you oh, break oh. people in such a way that they can't exist outside of this weird little society you've built in your Precisely. school. Yeah. Would be my argument. Now, this does, however, bring us to a very valid question. Is there any evidence that Alon's program worked? 
1979 Corrections Magazine article notes that at the time it was written, Alon had only been doing follow-up checks on former residents for two years. They claimed that of the 500 people who'd been admitted to Alon at that point, 326 had been tracked down. Of these, hundred of these, 190 had graduated the program. 78% of these people had stayed out of trouble with the law. On that strength, Alon claimed that nearly 80% of their graduates were successful, right? 80% success rate, basically. Now, that's a lie based on their own data. Um, because they tracked down 326 kids, right? 190 graduate, and they say 78% of these people stayed out of trouble with the law. That makes it a success. But 136 of them didn't graduate, and only 26% of those kids were arrested or jailed again, which means dropouts had an identical success rate to graduates, basically. So number wow. one, that makes it seem like maybe it it it, it had nothing, you know, whether or not you graduate the Elon School didn't have anything to do about your success. Um, but Corrections Magazine in their write-up gave further reasons to doubt that data. Elon's recidivism figures are so low, especially given the fact that many of their referrals are from state from state agencies or hardcore delinquents, that most researchers would find them suspicious. Perhaps one explanation is that most of the follow-up was done by questionnaire, without any attempt to confirm the information the former resident supplied through official records. Of the 12 states who refer children to Elon, only four have ever done any follow-up, and that was limited and informal. Maryland, Rhode Island, Oregon, and Vermont surveyed a total of 71 former Elon residents. They found that 12 17% of them were in jail, 17 were working or in school, and 42 were, in the words of one official, living marginal lives that included some petty crime, frequent unemployment, and overuse of alcohol or drugs. So hmm. that doesn't sound like a great success rate to me. Not at uh, all. It also, again, they're basing this whole no trouble with the law thing. They're basing 80% of our students went on to have, you know, law-abiding lives based on self-reporting from those students rather than actually confirming anything. All of their yeah. data is bullshit, basically. There's no evidence the yeah. school helped any. There's no evidence this school helped anyone. Um, obviously, individuals will say it helped me, but there's no evidence that, like, as a population, Alon students were li less likely to commit crimes or have drug abuse problems than any other group of kids in a similar situation. Yeah, it's almost like it's a total crock of mm -hmm. sadistic shit yeah. that wasn't intended to do anything yeah, like except make money. Just a child kids. abuse factory. Rhode Island sent a team of investigators to Elon, who were horrified to find that not only did the business lack a board of directors, it lacked any oversight mechanism to review tactics or employee behavior. The investigators talked to Dr. Davidson and were shocked to find out that he spent no time at the facility and was unable to provide answers about stuff like the ring. There were three MA psychologists on staff, but all were recent hires who, like Dr. Davidson, knew nothing about how the school functioned on a daily basis. And some students will claim that like those people were very were protected from knowing anything about the school. They were brought in to do therapy sessions, and like you never got to do therapy alone. There would always be a student mm -hmm. watching you. So if you said anything, you would get punished. So you would only t yeah exactly. They would do this for every visit. You're talking to your parents on the phone. Someone's listening. They'll disconnect it if you say anything bad is going on. Um, we'll talk more about mm -hmm. that later. 60% of former residents were found to were later found to have been arrested for criminal violations. Uh, they noted that this was likely to be a conservative estimate of failure because criminal records did not reflect child abuse, neglect, mental health, institutionalization, or a variety of other factors. So Rhode Island finds 60% of former Elan residents go on to be arrested for, 
something and that more are probably having some sort of issue. It just wasn't reflected by the criminal justice system because they were just beating their own kids. Right. right. Like that's literally what the state says. Oh um, my God. None of these investigations did anything to stop Joe Ritchie or Dr. Davidson for becoming millionaires. Uh, Joe and his wife, Sherry, bought a mansion. Uh, they got all the status symbols of success, a bunch of fancy cars. But the wealthier Joe gets and the more expansive the Alon school becomes, the more abusive and deranged he gets in his own relationship. I'm going to quote from Duck in a Raincoat again here. In his marriage, Richie began employing the techniques he used at Elan. If his wife annoyed her, angered him, she'd be punished. One punishment was embarrassment and humiliation in the presence of other staff members. According to one former staffer, he'd shoot her down, an Elan term to describe the taking of authority away from someone who had misused it, by humiliating her at staff meetings, or he'd purposely exclude her from decision-making, instructing people not to tell her something. At first, we were led to believe that they had the perfect marriage, a former resident recalled. But after a while, it was apparent to some of us that it was far from it. Sometimes Richie would disappear, and when Sherry called Alon to find him, he wouldn't speak to her, once she was informed that he'd taken a blonde social worker with him to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to say about like his kind of sexual relationships. It doesn't seem like he mostly wanted to fuck. It was just kind of a power thing. He wanted these young women around doing what he was saying. I don't know. Um, Yikes. Richie would insist on forcing attractive female residents of Elan to ask, act as babysitters for his children. If Sherry complained, he would call her neurotic. One of these nannies later admitted to burning their son with a cigarette. When Sherry complained, Ricky to Richie told her that the, the, the staff member had changed, or the resident had changed, and he wasn't being fair to her by not giving her another chance. <laughs> oh my god. He's a okay. weird... Yeah. Cool. So Sherry had a number of nervous breakdowns for which she was hospitalized in 1976. While she was in recovery, Joe showed up to present her with a diamond and a sapphire necklace in full view of the nurses in order to, like, make the nurses so the nurses wouldn't believe anything she'd say about him being abusive. Because look, he oh. brought her this necklace. He's the dream husband. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, this looks like the husband of the year. I mean, those are mm -hmm. chocolate diamonds by Jane Seymour. Yeah, like we're mostly going to focus on the Alon <laughs> school here and not Richie's personal life, but he's just a comprehensively abusive person. Right. So, you know who isn't a comprehensively abusive person unless it's a Koch Brothers ad? Yeah, or I don't know, Volkswagen kind of gaslit all of us with the like literally yeah. actually yeah, with the we diesel like, with the not, diesel stuff, yeah. yeah. So, unless it's point. one of those to see here. Yeah, everything's fine. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, 
features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. We're back. Um, so Sherry started going to therapy and came to accept how fucked up Joe Ritchie was and how unhealthy their marriage had become. By 1978, they'd filed for divorce. The following year, Joe bought a nearby racetrack. The details of this transaction are sketchy as hell, and it seems like he was involved with the mob. Um, the FBI certainly <laughs> yeah. thought he was. Yeah. Um, also, at one point, the racetrack burnt down conveniently and he made a bunch of money. Uh, <laughs> burn a racetrack <laughs> down? Just like the stands yeah. or whatever? Okay. Yeah, there's some sort of... anyway. We're not going to dwell too much on that. I want to tell a couple of stories of other kids who were sent to the Elan school. First, mm-hmm. let's talk about Phil Newell. In 1981, Phil's father beat their mother, his ex-wife, nearly to death with a pipe. She spent the next 28 years almost insensate in a nursing home. Phil and his sister became wards of the state and were sent first to a foster home. By 1982, Phil had grown into a sweet but troubled teen. His sister later recalled, He was beautiful. All the girls liked him, and I remember I used to get mad because that was my brother and I didn't want any girls around him. We were close. We were really close. But he also dealt with fits of anger, which is very understandable and expected from a kid whose mom was beaten so badly by his dad that he had to become a ward of the state, right? Of course, you're going to have some anger issues. And he mostly hurt himself. He would slam his head into walls and such. Migraines seemed to be a trigger for his violence. He had horrible migraines. And at one point during a migraine, he swung his foster brother by the ankles into a couch. Like he just has a fit and he attacks his foster brother. Um, Not a serious injury, but he gets sent to a youth center as a result of this. And when that didn't work, the state sent him to the Elan school. His sister continues, quote, we were told Alon was a step up from the youth center because he got transferred and that he was doing well and that everything was going good and that he was going to come home. He came home in a box. So at the time when he dies and like, I think it's 76 is when he dies. um, She's told that it was an aneurysm. Um, which it was, I mean, it wasn't Andrew, but she was just told that he had an aneurysm while he was at the school. And that's what she believed for 33 years, that he had just had a freak aneurysm at this normal school until in 2016, a former Elan resident named Mark Babbitts tracked her down. And I'm going to quote from the Sun Journal here. 
He tracked down Newell and put her on the phone with a witness who said Phil didn't just collapse one day as the family had been told. He'd been forced into Alon's infamous boxing ring and beaten by other teenagers because he oh complained of a headache. God. The witness saw Phil collapse, spasm and turn blue. Eventually, staff took him away. He was dead within a day. Now, the Sun Journal spoke with that witness and another, and although some of the details differ, their stories are essentially the same. And it turns out that stories of Phil's death had begun circulating online in communities of Alon survivors starting in 2003. The first reference to his death came from a friend of his who said that on Christmas weekend, Phil was forced to go three rounds in the ring before he passed out and started vomiting. He lay on the floor for an hour before being given medical attention. Another former student, Ann Bowen, gave a slightly different story. Um, she agrees that they thought he was manipulating the system by pretending to have a headache, so they put him in the ring. Um, and basically, she, uh, the only difference with her argument is that, like, she think, she doesn't recall him passing out at first. He was just, like, walked away from the ring having, like, head issues and then eventually But he definitely collapsed. went into the ring for having he, a migraine. Yeah, he went into the ring for having a migraine, was beaten, and died soon after. Um, uh. Yeah. And again, possible he would have died without the ring, uh, but also possible that if, for example, they'd treated his migraines seriously, he might have gotten medical care or something. Yeah. Uh, or at least wouldn't have had his last experience before death getting beaten by a bunch of children in a ring. Um, yeah. Uh, so there was an investigation into Phil's death, uh, but it occurred so late uh, and five years after Alon itself closed that nothing conclusive came of it. Um, it is worth noting that this network of former students who are the reason that his sister finds out about this were eventually what brings the Elan school down. They start to organize in like the early 2000s and whatnot and mm-hmm. carry out a campaign to, to report this place. Um, it was a long process, like killing the Elan school, and it took years and years and years to do. Um, meanwhile, throughout the 80s and 90s, Elan saw, saw hundreds and hundreds of new students. Joe Ritchie Gant ran for governor of Maine several times. He never quite pulled it off, but he was very influential in the state. Uh, research for this episode was actually sparked by a graphic novel I found online called Joe versus Elan School. It was written by a former student who goes by Joe Nobody. He went to Elan in the 1990s, and I really recommend his story to everyone. It's a fascinating graphic novel, and it gives a lot of context on how the school had evolved by that point. The electric sauce was gone by then, and safety gear in the ring was at least more common, but the whole experience was just as brutal. Solitary confinement had been added to the repertoire, and kids could be sentenced to months of being forced to live and sleep within the confines of a space roughly the size of a broom closet. The goal was to break you. Uh, because solitary confinement does that to people. So you'd be desperate enough to yield to the program just to get human contact again. In fact, over the course of the 1980s, the strict hierarchy of jobs within Elan evolved for a dual purpose. It existed to police behavior and ensure that everyone was watching everyone else. um, And it existed to encourage people to buy into the system by working for better positions in order to get more privileges. For more on that, I want to quote from a Reddit post I found from a former student. Education was considered a right, but those of us who earned the right were still robbed of an education. School was from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. No homework, no test, no projects. Example, math class consisted of grabbing a math book and handing the teacher at least one page of work. You're supposed to read through the book and, like, write a page of stuff. Like, it was never graded. It was never... You didn't learn anything, right? Um, It was all, like, basically pantomime. mm -hmm. We have to have these kids in a room with, like, a teacher who just... I don't know, it's probably an alcoholic living in the middle of nowhere and isn't going to care. Yeah. 
Right. Now, the other 12 hours of the day consisted of constant conditioning and brainwashing. In the beginning, you obviously rejected it, but then you would be dealt with. You would not be able to rise through the ranks of the program to earn more rights until you could prove yourself to be a good candidate for more brainwashing. Eventually, it became your responsibility to begin indoctrinating the new residents, basically you six months later, or six months earlier. You had strength and non-strength. Non-strengths were not allowed to talk, interact, or communicate in any way with other non-strengths. It took a minimum of six months to earn the title of strength. It took some kids years to earn strength. Some kids never did. Elan made money based on the amount of time it took for you to graduate the program. You had to have a minimum of seven promotions before you were a candidate for graduation. Each promotion took a minimum of three months, and 90% of the kids never made it past the fifth promotion. These kids had to wait until they turned 18 and could legally sign themselves out. Other kids stayed past their 18th birthday, which is a true testament to the effectiveness of the brainwashing. I remember one dude was 23. And some of them didn't have a choice. This wasn't all brainwashing. If you're sent there at 17 or 16... Because you broke a law, if you don't graduate, you go to prison. Right. So you and and they can keep you there as long as they want because they decide when you're ready to graduate. Right. Unless you. Mm -hmm. And then again, just like even with incarcerated people, it's like if you're treated a certain way, Mm -hmm. sometimes you know no other way to live except within there. And yep. And keeping kids after age eighteen wasn't only a manner of brainwashing. Joe, who wrote that graphic novel, did eventually yield to the program after escaping what he escaped at one point to, and got to as far as New York City before being captured. Um, and he spent months in solitary after that. So he eventually just, just buys into the program because he can't stand how miserable his life is in solitary. Right. Like he has right. to now. His plan was to sign himself out when he turned 18. He didn't care about graduating. Um, But before that day came, he had a call with his parents. Now, I should note here that according to Joe and other students, phone calls and visits with parents were tightly controlled. They would end the call if you seemed to be about to say anything negative about the Elan school. Elan administrators carefully choreographed parent visits and coached parents ahead of time, preparing them for the idea that their child might lie to get out of a program that they desperately needed to be in. Oh, my God. Of course. Of course. Now, students could have visits back home with their families if they earned them, but during those visits, higher strength students were sent with them to police their behavior. So you're never alone with your parents and have a chance to convince them of what's being done to you. So Joe's about to turn 18 and he gets a call from his parents and they've been talking to the administrator who says he's doing great, but that he really needs to graduate the program. And they tell him, if you leave when you turn 18, we'll cut you off from any financial assistance, any college funds, whatever, um, because we love you. And we've been told this is best for you. Um, By the way, Joe was sent to a lawn because at 16, he and some friends got arrested with weed. Like... (laughs) I'm going to talk more about Joe's story in a bit, but before we get to that, I want to read you the story of another adole- of another student. Tatiana Karam attended Alon from 1996 to 1998, and in her case, the fact that she was sent there by her parents was the result of a tragic error. From the New York Times, quote, Miss Karam, a student at the Northeastern University in Boston, said she was sent to Alon from her home in Dubai after her parents, who were looking for an American school that would shelter her from Western sexual mores, saw a school brochure featuring idyllic photographs of the outdoors and students on horseback. At one point, when her parents sent a fax to the school saying they planned to pick up their daughter, Miss Karam said she was pressured to call them and ask for more time at the school. When she refused, a school official called her parents and told them their daughter was not ready to leave. It was only after she left Alan, Miss Karam said, that she was able to give them the details. My mother, when she found out what happened, was so disgusted, Miss Karam said. She tells me she's sorry all the time. 
Like oh that was just a God. freak nightmare accident in her case. Like Jesus, they got just do. Yeah, it's like they're not. They, like, they're not Americans. Nice. Like they don't. Yeah. They can't vet it. Maybe as much. They don't speak the language. They they, they think they're doing the nice thing for their kid. What she the winds f- up there. Yeah. Um, she she backs up a lot of the details about like phone calls being monitored and all of that stuff. Um, now one of the things that's amazing about Joe's story is that he escaped for a while. Now Alan had an intricate system to stop escapees. They had men in the woods waiting for people who might flee. Um, but Joe got away. Uh, he actually during, he went on a visit with his parents and another kid, and he maced his parents and the other kid and fucking ran for it. Um, oh my god! Wait, and you're saying there are people just stationed in the perimeter woods? Yeah. Like in like a hunting blind, almost. Yeah, kind like, of. Yeah. yeah, here to yeah. sweep up any runaways. Yeah. Yep. Holy shit! So he gets a he escapes and he like he's like in the woods and he finds a guy and there's a couple of cases. There's another dude I, in a documentary who escaped into the woods and met like. A, 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 like a, a, a crazy hermit out there who had just been living off grid and like this guy just adopted him and taught him and now the, and now that dude the kid who escaped is like a wilderness survival instructor like he just lost like spent years living alone what? with this guy in the woods of Maine outside of civilization wow. and stuff after escaping wow. after Elon escaping school? yeah <laughs> oh he's my. in a documentary called The Last Stop it's fucking amazing like he, he's just like yeah wow. I was just lost in the woods and I meet this guy who's like living off the land and he just teaches me how <laughs> which is actually fucking... rad <laughs> yeah. yeah and like in my mind like that guy had also escaped to like an elon <laughs> school and like but you're and they've got their own civilization like, okay, i understand young young yeah. man i'll give you the skills to live out here what a fucking yeah. story no, so Joe gets away and he's in the woods and he probably would have gotten caught again, but he found this this drifter in a van who drives up. And like the way Joe recalls the story in his graphic novel, he's like certain he's going to be raped. Um and this guy like is clearly doing a drug deal. Like they stop in Boston, pick up a huge bag of something, and then the guy uh-huh. has a bunch of cash. But like the guy the guy like again, Joe is like really worried about this guy at first and thinks like something horrible is going to happen. But the dude just winds up giving him a bunch of cash and saying, like, like, good luck. Don't get, you know, caught again. Like apparently just like a nice wow. man who is just doing some drug smuggling, but realized this kid's in a bad place and needs some help. So he made it to New York City, but after a day or so, he gets spotted by employees of the Daytop School because Joe Ritchie had wow. put out a bolo for his missing student, and he gets oh kidnapped again and dragged back to Maine. He was literally, like, trussed up in the back of a van, and at one point when they get back into Maine, they stop at a gas station, and he gets the attention of a cop who immediately assumes this is a kidnapping, and, like, starts Starts to like try to arrest the guys for kidnapping him, but Joe claims that the men kidnapping him gave the uh, gave the call the cop Joe Ritchie's name, and the officer's attitude completely changed. Right, because this guy is a millionaire; he's bought a lot of politicians in the area. Now, I can't tell you that Joe Ritchie was bribing the cops because I don't know that he was. Um, Right. But that's what this kid claims and that like the cop and there's there's others. There's at least one story, a fucked up story of a cop encountering an Elan runaway. And um, it's this guy, uh, Max Ashburn, this police re- lieutenant, like picks this kid up and he'd been hearing fucked up stories about the Elan school for years um, mm-hmm. from like former inmates and from just people in the area and had been kind of sketched out by it, but like also couldn't do anything about it because 
again, they're a very powerful force in the community. So he picks this kid up at this runaway and he's supposed to hand this kid back to the Elan school legally. That's his job. But he's so horrified by this kid's story that he drives the kid to a, a truck stop and hands him off to a random group of truckers. And it's just like someone here will take you away. <laughs> like That's the God. best thing this police lieutenant can think to do is like, I'm just going to hand the kid shit. to some truckers. It's better than sending him back to Elan school. What a fucking binary to yeah. choose between. Yeah, which suggests that this guy assumed there was nothing that law, the law was going to do about this. Right. School. Like that you're I, even in your capacity as a lieutenant. Yeah. My best option is hand this kid to random truck drivers. I don't know. These <laughs> truck drivers seemed nice enough. Mm-hmm. So Joe Ritchie's story does not get a lot happier after the 90s. At least he does. He, that, that's, I guess, the good thing is he is, is pretty miserable, it seems. Uh, his drug abuse seems to become an increasing problem. Uh, at one point, he has like this. He, he goes on a rant over the PA system at his horse track against a main racing official. Um, he sued three times for sexual harassment and once for threatening to kill a female employee. He dies in 2001 at age 54. The harm caused by Elon lives on. And it's here I should note that you can find a number of people, again, who will say that the school helped them. Um, more common are people who will say the program made them into the person they are today, but also left them with lasting trauma. And Joe's story, which I really recommend reading in Joe versus Elon School, makes it clear that this could teach children very specific kinds of strength and coping strategies. You get smart in a very specific way to survive a place like this. Um, they're not necessarily good for living in the rest of the world. Now, I've made a conscious choice not to read any of the positive stories about Elan here for a couple of reasons. They are dwarfed, absolutely buried by the horror stories. And two, I don't think the fact that some kids later were like, I think I benefited from this experience makes it less criminal. I right. do want to cite, before we go, the story of Stephen Smith. He was 15 years old when a Connecticut social worker sent him to Elan. He'd been a ward of the state since age six, when his mom was convicted of armed robbery. Stephen was sent to a lawn after his neighbor kicked his dog and he responded by shooting him in the butt with a pellet gun. His social worker gave him the choice of jail or a lawn, which she framed as a summer camp in the woods. From the beginning, he had trouble with the Elan system and was subjected to numerous haircuts and general meetings. Quote, they asked, they'd asked me if I hated my mother. They'd read my file in front of everyone in the group, things about my mother and her criminal record. I didn't dig that, so I just didn't say anything. Then when I shut up, they accused me of intimidating the group, said I was doing some violent act against group members for not opening up. So everyone once in a while, they'd set up a general meeting and then throw me in the boxing ring until I lost. I tried to run away all the time. It's the only thing I ever did. Tried to run away every chance I got. I tried about seven times, but they always caught me because they had this posse that would go out and be rewarded by Richie if they caught someone trying to run away. Now, Stephen Smith said that the first time he met Joe was at a general meeting called by a staff member named Jeff Gottlieb. Here's what he said about that day. Richie came in and I was called out, along with a girl named Nancy and another girl, Marie, two guys, Ray and Johnny, and another kid named Sean. We were all sitting around a table and Richie announced, we have some cancer in this house and any good surgeon knows the way to get rid of cancer is to cut it out before it spreads. Then he called us all up in front of the house and asked for everyone if they had any feelings for us. Then Richie says, now we're going to put you upstairs in one of the rooms. It was a room about the size of a cell. They boarded up the windows in the door and locked it. Richie said, whatever goes on in there goes on. 
It was July. I know it was in July because it was my 16th birthday the next day. It was horrible. Six of us all stuck in there together. The guys, Ray and Johnny, would take turns beating each other. Ray would pound his head until he got tired, and then they'd take turns having sex with the two girls. One of them didn't care, but the other girl didn't want to, but they made her. Sean and Ray would keep her food, and that's how they got her. The day I turned 16, I mentioned it was my birthday. Sean picked me up and said, oh, it's your birthday. I have something to give you. He started to hit me in the face and stuff, and then, well, he raped me in there oh my god yeah there are other stories of rape um there are other stories of rape at the elan school i'm not going to just go through and read them all what i do want to read is so steven later gets arrested he goes to prison as an adult right and when he was interviewed by the author of duck in a raincoat he was asked how Elan School compared to maximum security prison, which is where he was incarcerated at the time of the interview. Quote, Elan's much worse. Here there's a lot of shit, but I get a chance for some solitude to read, and I'm going to college, and I've also gotten to learn woodworking and make some money in the prison store. At Elan, there was nothing positive. It was pure hell. You know, the worst thing is the judge that sentenced me there for 10 years lectured me, uh, censured me here for 10 years, lectured uh, to me, telling me I blew the opportunity I had at Elan. I don't understand how the courts can legitimize a guy like Richie who has harmed so many mixed up kids. What the fuck? Yeah. Now there's also, yeah, yeah I mean, it's pretty bad, right? Miles? We're, Not we're great. The, and he's just <laughs> fucking out here still. No, he dies in 2001. Um, okay. I think I, I think the, school, the thing cut out. Yeah. No, he dies in maybe. 2001. The school shuts down in 2011 after the last 10 years or so it's, it's gradually degrading. Um, there's a campaign from a bunch of former students to shut it down. And like the state of New York does, uh, like goes after them to, for, to some extent, like it's a process, but it finally closes its doors in 2011. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's, you know, there's more. There's so much more, dude. Like, there's stories that Joe Ritchie and other staff slept with teenage girls that were incarcerated at the school. Like, obviously, he did shit like that. It's just a yeah. bottom, bottomless well of horror. I think right. it's best to end with a quote from Stephen Smith, which I think acts as a fine eulogy both for Joe Ritchie and for the Elan School. The most important thing is that the truth comes out about Richie. He has no business screwing up kids and making a fortune doing it. The state takes kids from messed up families, but they put them in places worse. If I was not messed up before I got to Elan, I certainly was afterwards. Oof. Good stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, important to keep in mind that we still have things like this. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of others. Like, into it, now. Yeah. yeah. There's still the, the teen... Troubled teen industry is a huge business. Um, every year there's a bill thrown into Congress to try to regulate it. And every year the Republicans make sure that nobody's going to be voting on that motherfucker. Um, because, mm. yep. How do you feel, Miles? Oh, man. Uh, thoroughly fucked, uh, to be honest. But I think I more than anything, it, I think it gives some layer of context to understanding like these schools that exist like, mm -hmm. and what that, this is part, it's not just sort of like, it doesn't end with this thing we just talked about. Like we're, this is still continuing. Um, so in a way I'm, uh, in a very broad sense, I'm grateful for the awareness that I have on the subject. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's doesn't make it any less completely horrifying. Yep. It's good stuff. I don't know, Miles. What do you what do you what do you do about this industry? Like how do you actually I don't know. It it just feels hopeless because there's 
there's so many people have a vested financial interest in it continuing yeah. to exist. And this like culture of like coercion and power that we exist in. Like it's just, it allows for that sort of dimension of our culture, like manifest in like the ugliest fucking way too. I, I mean, honestly, I feel like more than anything, people, I think we just need to be comparing everything to this school. So people have an idea of like truly like what it means to help someone. Um, not in like the sense that you got from like your grandparents who were like mainlining like Kellogg books, um, and like that kind of philosophy and actually like what it means for someone to develop what, you know, cycles and patterns of abuse look like and how to interrupt those and end those. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll just stick to smoking weed and talking about reality TV. Yeah. And I think I'm, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, I, I started to make kind of like my bones in journalism. Some of the first stories I did were with like people who'd gone to these, these teen back when I was still working at cracked, these teen troubled teen right. schools. And, um, it just keeps going on. Right. Like it, it's been, it's, it's, I, the central problem, like the Elon school is fascinating because you've got this uniquely tr- fucked up guy and he builds this uniquely fucked up system for abusing children. But the whole reason why it's able to exist at all is there's this broad agreement uh, with a lot of people in American culture that it would be fundamentally evil to take away a parent's right to choose absolutely everything for their child. And that that child doesn't get a say, but the parent is the sovereign of their child. Um, And I think that's bad. (laughs) I don't think parents should be the unquestioned sovereign of children. I don't think the state should be either. Um, I don't entirely know what the solution to this is, but clearly there are problems with the way we do it. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, you can you can fundamentally create laws or at least guardrails to what you cannot do or things yeah. that we can all agree on that yeah. a child should not experience, no matter what yeah. the prerogative is yeah. of a parent. Like, I'm me. But, I'm certainly not yeah. saying we should give the state more power over kids instead of the parents. I'm, but no, we no. should We should limit parents' power, certainly to do this, right? Can we agree, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. don't have the right to hire men to kidnap your children into the woods? right and then turn a blind eye to abuse because for whatever reason you feel that that's the solution to your inability to do something or whatever maybe the yeah uh, it's all it yeah it's it's very complex but so simple at the same time because most people can say children do not deserve any kind of existence like that yeah absolutely no one does like i wouldn't be supportive of this if I thought we should have prisons, I wouldn't want them to work this way because this is yeah. not rehabilitating people. This no. is just hurting mm-hmm. them and making them it's, more mm-hmm. dangerous to everyone. I think because, you know, we to, to, to address this, we'd fundamentally have to address like a lot of these societal ills that we have, like that are deeply ingrained in our mm-hmm. psyches and our yeah. culture and that's what it takes. It takes this like tremendous reckoning to have to say like, you know, we're still manifesting these cycles of abuse infinitely Mm -hmm. uh, in every single way. And like, it, it's weird that we can find these rationalizations in our minds, whether it's like you broke the law, quote unquote, and that's why you deserve this. Or a parent is the one who decides what's best for their children. You mind your child. I'll mind my, Mm -hmm. I'll mind mine sort of thing that, you know, will, uh, it keeps going on, but yeah. I mean, I keep, I think the ultimate solution 
Miles, is that we should adopt nationwide my program of hollowing out the center of the United States, take all children away from their parents and make them live in the middle of the country as a big open air child prison where they just grow feral and either survive or, or you know, thrive based on their, their skills. They based can form on their crude TikTok, pacts. TikTok views. <laughs> no, no internet, nothing but like sharpened sticks and bows and arrows. Um, oh, see, yeah, I'm a little, yeah. that's where I'm, that's where I'm what got a little more modern take. See, and this is where people are seeing the schism and the zoom lady mm. cult. Yeah. Um, yep. Or you believe the the massive crater in the middle should be technologically free. Mine should be technologically advanced and TikTok based. Well, I think TikTok will come into mine when <laughs> when they turn eighteen. They have to be brought back into society, and adults get to hunt them on helicopters. And you can put that on TikTok. Ah, okay. shooting kids with dart guns as and they run in their feral packs, and then dragging them back to San Bernardino, where they work as accountants for four years before yeah, being declared dentists. adults. Um, we can talk about dentists. We can talk. Miles, but uh, Miles, it's time for it's time for your pluggables. Me? Oh, yeah, good yeah, goodness yeah. me! Uh, yeah, look, uh, check me out talking news on Daily Zeitgeist every day with uh, your former coworker at Crack, Jack O'Brien. And you know, if you like weed and Ninety Day Fiance, check out my reality show podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance, uh, with Sophie Alexandra. Yeah, that's, that's always a good time. That's not. The only bummers we have are maybe some of the bad accents we'll do sometimes, but it's good times over there. Well, well, that's 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 that episode. That is the episode. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury: the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.